This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. My guest today is Sergeant Con Williams of the Neptune, New Jersey Police Department. He's founder of the Kicks Not Cuffs program. It fosters communication between kids in the community and police officers, all while providing these tweens and teens with a little something extra for their candidness, a new pair of sneakers for the start of the school year. Welcome, Sergeant Williams. Thank you. Uh, so can you start off by describing how you came up with the idea for the Kicks Not Cuffs program? Okay, so last year uh, I came up with this program because I was a, I was a detective in the police department. Um, and I realized that a lot of the kids that I was dealing with did not feel as if they were comfortable talking to police officers. And I didn't understand why, um, especially the kids that I knew looked like me, went to the same schools as I did and grew up the same way I grew up. Um, I wanted to give them kind of an outlet to have somebody to reach out to. And uh, the way I started that was by telling them to send me a video of how they felt about um, the way police officers are portrayed in the media. Um, once I viewed their video, I would invite them to a, a breakfast at a restaurant in Neptune. And then um, after the dialogue, I told them I would take them to all get a pair of sneakers. So it was me and a, um, a group of six guys who I went to high school with. Um, we all graduated from Neptune. We all happened to be Neptune police officers, and we all happened last year to be African-American. I just wanted to give the kids an outlet to talk to police officers who look like them, because I don't think they're used to seeing that. But how did that idea form? Like, were you sitting around talking with your friends, or that, how did you get to that process of going, you know what, wait a minute, what, why aren't they talking to us? What's going on here? It was actually the latter. It was, it was, it was really a thought that just popped into my head one day after a case that I was working when I realized that, you know, that I could talk to this kid about anything um, except the case. He would not talk to me about the case, which is understandable. And I wanted to know why. Um, so I was honestly just sitting around one day and I said, what can I do to try to change this, this outlook? And I, I spoke to one younger kid and he said that uh, he just does not feel comfortable talking to police officers at all because he's not, he doesn't think that they can relate to them. So I, I figured um, them seeing us out of uniform or, or not in a suit and tie uh, would get them to at least acknowledge the fact that, you know, you can talk to us, you can speak to us about anything. And it, it, I, I honestly just contacted six of my friends who I knew would be, would be willing to be involved. I told them to meet me at the high school at a certain time to take a picture to present it on Instagram. They did, I posted on Instagram. I made a caption and then it, it turned out to be a, a great event. But let's back up a little bit. So you think you're talking to this, this young kid, mm -hmm. you realize he is talking to you, but there's certain, you know, elements of the conversation he's leaving out. Correct. Did at one point you think like, Hmm, I wonder if this is the same for my, my uh, officer brothers. No, it, it, it was more of the lines of if, if this kid is not willing to talk to me, he's not willing to talk to anybody. He's not willing to talk to any any police officer whatsoever, and that was a case where he was initially speaking with, you know, a, a Caucasian officer, and he would not say a word to him. So I came in the room and just sat down and had a conversation about sports, about his grades, about where he went to school. That started talking about that a little bit, but then going into the case, he just felt like he could not trust me, and it what he wasn't even the accused in the matter. So mm. I found it very odd. 
now before we get a little bit more into the program, help me understand you grew up in Neptune, which is a Jersey Shore town near Asbury Park, New Jersey. What was it like growing up in New in Neptune for you? I grew up up the hill on, on Green Grove. Um, I played sports. I played three sports for almost my entire life, um, basketball, baseball, and football. So I didn't have a, a lot of opportunity to be uh, in the streets per se. Um, so I, I had a, a, a very good experience growing up in Neptune. As, as far as um, my experience with policing, of course, I, I, I've dealt with uh, the police as a, as a young child, but most of them I found to be beneficial to, to my life and my career because um, they were somebody who I aspired to be. They, they seemed to be cool. They seemed to be genuine. They, they had nice things. Um, the only times where I experienced um, negative interactions with police officers is when it, it, it wasn't involved in me in sports. It was in a car stop or me, you know, out, you know, maybe past curfew or something like that. So I, I believe I had a pretty good and positive experience when it came down to policing when I was a child. It, Neptune is very diverse. Um, there's different areas where different people, you know, tend to reside. Um, so I, as far as that, yeah, I, I really didn't didn't stray too far from Green Grove and being up the hill. So when you mean up the hill um, and and the diversity diversity that is in Neptune, you mean that there's different socioeconomic classes. So you might have, um, you know, people who have lower incomes, people have middle incomes, people have Correct. upper incomes. Correct. And when you say up the hill, what would you say like the medium income is? Is that middle class? Is that? Yeah, that, absolutely. I, I would say majority of the people who lived up the hill when, when I was growing up were we're, we're medium class homeowners. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Down, it, it, it's, I call it up the hill. I know you're not familiar with the area, but I, <laughs> I call it up the hill because there's a legitimate hill that separates um, the two sections of Neptune. So it's up the hill and then there's down the hill. And, and, and down the hill is, 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 is more of the lines, not to be disrespectful to anybody who lives down there. Um, it's more of the lines of, of lower income. Mm -hmm. And then there's a Shark River Hill section, which is more affluent. And there's an ocean Grove section, which is it's, it's it's a little more private than than the rest of our our community is. Okay, so it's the equivalent of um, across the tracks for some people. Well, you know, yes, correct, different correct. sizes. That's how good way to describe it. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you grew up up the hill, and uh, that's actually one reason I wanted to talk with you, Sergeant, is because Neptune um, again is not considered an urban city yet. There are still concerns about the relationship between police and members of the minority community really getting along. So, can you describe what the relationship looks like and some of the challenges? Uh, that the minority communities face in this area uh, and the police face together? I think the biggest challenge is that the diversity of our community doesn't match the diversity of our police department. Um, and I don't think that's anybody's fault. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think that's anybody's fault. I just don't see a lot of minority um, kids that are interested in, in the job. So what, what tends to happen is that you have a, a, a large portion of minority populations that's only dealing with police officers who don't look like them and have n nothing in common with them. So just the mere fact of somebody's culture can, can be the determining factor as to whether a police interaction is positive or negative. And I say that because, you know, um, naturally, 
African Americans have a different way of speaking in, in those areas than, than the, the average white police officer does. So their elevated voice might give, you know, a, a white police officer some type of pause or it might, you know, make them a little, you know, apprehensive at times. So I think that's a big challenge that we face is that our, our community does not uh, reflect the police department. And, it, and it's very well known in our community that that's how it is. Um, uh, another challenge I, I believe is that just like in a lot of police departments, I do not feel as if we um, give the same type of respect to the community as we expect them to give to us. I feel as if in car stops or in pedestrian stops, in police interactions, a lot of police officers don't give the person they're dealing with that explanation, which is what causes a lot of problems. And a lot of misunderstanding sometimes. Very much so. A lot, a lot of misunderstandings. And I give you an example um, quickly. It's, it's, it's just as if if I ask somebody to take their hands out of their pockets and it's a 20 degree day outside. Yes, I understand you're cold, but I'll tell you, I'm asking you to take your hands out of your pockets because I'm not sure if you have anything on you or not. And I just want to see your hand. And if you say it in a calm, uh, understanding manner, as if you're talking to a child, you know, sometimes you get good results. Sometimes they argue with you. But I've seen that I've gotten a lot of good results just by um, having a calm demeanor in every aspect and, and trying to explain my actions with them. So it sounds like what you're saying is to make sure there's um, a respect level there. Like I'm respecting you enough to explain to you why I'm asking you to do what you do, yes. as yes. opposed to just saying I said it. Like you know, I'm your dad. You better do yes. it. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah. I feel as if what. I feel as if a lot of interactions that I see, especially as a supervisor, where I, I really have to pull somebody aside and let them know that that's not how we operate, is when the officer does not give the respect that they're demanding from somebody else. And I think we forget a lot that we're here to serve the community. We're not here to just order them around. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon, talking with Sergeant Con Williams of the Neptune, New Jersey Police Department. He's founder of the Kicks Not Cuffs program. It provides new sneakers for kids heading back to school, all while fostering better communication between teens and police officers. Sergeant Khan is uh, fostering a good community relationship, one of the goals for the Kicks Not Cuffs program. The original purpose of it last year was to try to reach out to the kids who I felt were the cause of uh, a large amount of shootings in our area. So that, that's the, that was the main reason for it. I did not realize the traction that I would get from it. Um, so the, the main goal kind of shifted to it being more of a community event so that when the police officers come to the event and they see the community and, and the community is telling them about their concerns, they might see them again, you know, on, on the call one day. And they might say, okay, you know what? This person was respectful at the event. You know, we had a good conversation. We had a good dialogue. Let, let me at least act like I know who this person is. I think that's, that's, that is the main focus of it so that more police officers know, know more of the community. I don't, I don't feel like you're going to act a certain way if you actually know the person and can understand what their story is. It sounds like, and I remember reading about policing like, you know, years and years ago, 
where they called it walking the beat. So you yeah. got to know the people in your neighborhood. You got yeah. to know you stopped in and you said hi to the barber and the butcher so that they saw your face and knew who you were. Uh, it sounds like there's an element of that in what you're doing with this program. A am I correct? I believe so. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely on track with that. Um, and, and from what I see with some of the younger police officers that we have now, and, and I don't know if it's necessarily their fault. I just don't think they've been taught uh, to do that. Um, there, there is no more beat cop, at least where I'm from. Um, a lot of police officers, you know, kind of sit in their cars all day. They wait for something to happen and they respond to it. You know, at people, I feel like the ones who grew up in Neptune, they're always beat cops because they've always known these people. You know, so the fact that they know the stores that they're walking into for maybe an alarm call or something like that, they, they, of course, you're going to have a different reaction to them when you when you know who they are. So you're absolutely right about that. Can I ask, why did you decide to become a police officer? You, Do you know, want the honest reason? I want the honest reason, sir. <laughs> OK, when 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 I when I played sports, we uh, we always had a little gap in between practice and when school ended. So we had a store that we went to, it was called the Schoolhouse Deli. We had to walk past the police department um, to get there. And when I was growing up, the police officers who I knew and who came from my community, they all had very, very nice cars. And I've always been a car guy. Ah, okay. So you so, saw, honestly, so you saw this as more than just, uh, you know, I want to be a cop, but I want to be a successful person. Absolutely, without <laughs> yeah. a doubt. Yeah. I mean, every, every one of them, I mean, I, I, I can name a few of them. They, they, they all had, had nice things when I was growing up. They always came to the games. They had nice clothes on. They, they spoke well. People knew them. Um, it, it just, it, it was very easy for me to, to latch on to, to them and, and want, want that for myself. And fortunately, I was able to sit down with a couple of them and talk to them to make, to, and, and tell me what it was that I had to do. So they were role models. Absolutely, without a doubt. Without yeah, a doubt. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, I, and now, I and now, that's one of the reasons why uh, we we created kicks, not cuffs, because I mean, what what kid does not like sneakers? Right. Now, traditionally, there are some people in the minority communities that are hesitant to call the police even after a crime has been committed, mostly because you know it can carry a very real possibility of inviting disrespect, uh, which you try to avoid, we talked about, or even physical harm by people sent to protect and serve. So how did most of the kids in these videos, when they made them, say they viewed the police before actually getting involved in the program? Uh, a lot of them had mixed views on the police. Um, a lot of them said that they, they understood um, that all police officers aren't the same. A lot of them said they understood that sometimes the media just portrays the, the bad things that happen when it comes down to police work. Um, some of them said they don't trust the police at all. You know, and those were the actually ones who I wanted to talk to the most because I wanted to know why. I, you know, I wanted to figure out why and if there was a possibility of it changing. Um, this year's event, we had kids that refused to share a video but still came to the event just because they, they, they were really curious to hear what we had to say. So uh, I think that the majority of the students that sent in videos had mixed feelings because of they don't have a daily interaction with, with a police officer, but they do have media coverage daily about you know police officers doing horrible things.
Sergeant Williams, can you describe some of the questions the kids in the program asked? Like, was there a statement that might have come up over and over and over again? Well, one of the, the main questions was, what should we do when we come in contact with the police officer? Um, which, which I found to be probably, it, it might sound simple, but it was probably one of the best questions to ask because you, we police officers take for granted that people don't know what to do when they're stopped. Um, we assume that everybody is going to act the same way. And when they don't, it, it catches us off guard. So I think that was a very important question that was asked. And we, we tried to explain it to them as, as thoroughly as we could. Um, a lot of questions came up about, uh, you know, incidences like Eric Garner and Mike Brown and Breonna Taylor. Um, and th those are questions that we had to be very careful with because, uh, you know, they don't have all the facts. We don't have all the facts and we can only go off of what, what we can read and see on TV. Um, so what would you question, tell them? So as far as the, the and I, I don't want to want to get too far into these cases because like I said, I don't have all the details. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as the Breonna Taylor case, that's that's a big case that surfaced right now. Correct. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people don't understand why the, the police officers were not charged in that case and not but they were charged in for bullets that went into somebody else's apartment. You with me on that? Yes. Okay. So one of the officers tried to explain to one of the girls that um, to charge the police officer with homicide, there would have had to be some type of intent. You understand that? Yes. Like he okay. would have been, he would have had to mean to harm somebody. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. Now to charge them with negligent homicide, which means he would have had to be negligent. Um, now, I am not a scholar on, on the, the 2C violations, so please just take that for what it's worth. Right. Um, if there, and the, the question was, was he legally there, you know, um, and did somebody shoot back at him? Now, he, he formed the, the question back to the student as if, okay, well, just, just think about if that police officer was your family member and he did a no-knock search warrant, which was allowed at the time, and he goes into a house thinking he's going to come in contact with uh, a certain person and he gets shot at. If that was your family member, would you be okay with him shooting back? So we tried to take it out of who's right or who's wrong in that situation. And we tried to put it back on them to have them think about just both sides of the the, the coin here. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So okay. what it sounds like is there can be, not always, and again, we're not asking you to speak for all police officers. We're not asking you to speak, you know, uh, as a professional in that case. We're asking mm -hmm. your opinion as a, as a police officer. Um, but in this particular situation, you're basically saying, think of the officers as people. Think of them as people who yes they're trained but they never know what kind of situation they're stepping into correct. so they have to be cautious correct is, is that and, correct and that, that's correct and, and like i said any 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 thing like that is is always it's it's, it's terrible and, and it really shouldn't happen however you know if and that's what we tried to explain to them the officers went into a house that they were i believe legally allowed to be in from a judge signing the search warrant they get into the house and the first thing they encounter is somebody shooting at them. Now, 
the guy apparently had the gun legally. You know, he apparently thought that um, somebody was breaking into his house. So it's like, yes, I, if you can't understand both aspects of that situation, then you're, it's almost like you're worried more about feelings than the facts of the case, in my opinion. And that's just my opinion. And I want to back up to something you said, too. You said a question is they ask you, well, if, uh, you know, I'm pulled over, what should I say? So what should a young black man do if they're pulled over by police? What would be the best thing to do, the safest thing to do? Okay, well, like, I, what I do when I, when I pull over cars is I do the little, the little breathe exercise. So even before I get out of the car, I, I take a few deep breaths only because I, I do not know what, what I'm coming in contact with. And as nervous as the regular everyday citizen is when they get stopped by the police, I would say probably 70% of the police officers are just as nervous. Um, so I, what I would do is if you drive past, let's go back, if you drive past a police officer and you see him pull out and you think, you know, he, he's coming up behind you to stop you, slow down, you know, if he, stop, if he stops you, pull over, Keep your hands where he where he can see them until he tells you to reach for your documents. You know, a lot of times uh, I'm walking up to a car and I see somebody reach into their glove box. Now, one officer might think that he's reaching for a gun or a weapon. Another officer like myself would be like, okay, well, that's a normal place where people keep their documents, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I will walk up to the car. I will ask for your license, registration, insurance as calm as you can be and as respectful as you can be, tell him like, okay, I'm going to reach to my glove box or my center console and reach for my documents. Do you mind? Sure. Go get them. Hand the documents. Um, take the documents out of any, whatever folder you have in hand them to the police officer. Don't say anything else till he asks you a question. So just um, like you said, you would explain what you're doing. Um, if some young person is pulled over or anybody's pulled over, mm-hmm. they should do what you did. They should say, even if this police officer isn't, you know, totally respectful, I still should respectfully explain, can I do blank? Can I put my, you know, can I get my documents? Can I move my hands? Yes, because it's like I said, per- perception is key in, in a lot of police interactions. You know, like you, you might perceive a police officer's attitude, well, a police officer's tone as attitude. That might just be the way he talks on a normal basis. Now, is it right? No. You know, should he correct that? Yes. But if a police officer is coming up to you and he's disrespectful, you know, you, you are rarely going to win by being disrespectful back, you know. So if you have a calm demeanor, explain every move before you make it. I don't, I don't foresee there being a, a problem. I, I think a lot of problems come when the argument starts. Well, before the officer even says anything, well, what you pull me over for? You know, and then the officer says, you know, like I would say, I, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I pulled you over when I have your documents in hand. And then you start arguing. That's, that, that, that doesn't get anybody anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's a motor vehicle stop in the state of New Jersey. You have to provide your, your credentials. Um, I mean, we've had people not roll the windows down. We've had people not provide anything, and it's just it, 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 it's not gonna it's not gonna go the way it should go. It's just it's combative. Correct. Correct. Now, getting back to the uh, kicks not cuffs program, did any of the kids who left videos did they say anything that surprised you? 
not in the video, but one of the questions surprised me when one of the kids asked, what, what, was, what was our major feelings about how policing is portrayed in, in this day and age? What was your answer? I basically just told her that I, I said, I, as, an, as a minority police officer, as an African-American police officer, sometimes we get it worse than our, than our white counterparts because we get it from both sides. Okay, I mean, we can go to calls and people ask for different officers. They don't want to talk to a, a black officer or we can go to calls and people who we grew up with are calling us, you know, Uncle Tom's or, you know, just calling us sellouts. And it's just like, you know, so we, we get it from from both sides, not only on the street, but, you know, what when we're at work. I mean, we, we deal with a lot of older gentlemen who've been police officers for a long time and they think totally different than what we do. Um, and it's, 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 it's very difficult when you hear some of the words that are said about um, people who you grew up with and, and you have a decision to make. You, know, you either correct the person that may be your boss or just a coworker, or you, know, you just kind of take it. Um, Luckily, I'm in a position where I feel like I'm respected. Now I'm in a position where I'm in a supervisory role, so I can tell people, like, no, you are not going to talk to that person like that. You're not going to, you know, relate to this person like that. And it's, it's, I said it's been beneficial to my career because it keeps me sane. Because you have some power now. You have, you know, you have power to, to correct people and to help people, it sounds correct. like. Correct. Right. And um, Sergeant Williams, from your professional point of view, what do you and your fellow brother officers in the program um, that you're talking to, what do you wish civilians knew about your jobs? Like what message is missing from quote unquote mainstream media about the conversation that you think would benefit people knowing? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes it makes total sense. I, I think what I've always tried to portray to people as a police officer, whether um, regardless of what role I was in, is that we 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 are human beings. Um, the media sometimes portrays us as robots that we don't care. Um, that we we come to work, we do our job. We, there's no discretion. There's no um, empathy. There's no compassion. And I, I really. Um, don't believe that's true. Um, I think what the community does not understand is that um, we have families too. Um, we have lives too. We do things out of work too. Um, we stress just like they do. Um, we mess up at our job uh, just like they do. The biggest problem is that if and when we do mess up, people can get injured. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I don't, and and I want them to know that it's a it's a thankless job. You know, we can we can ride around. We work twelve hour shifts, so we can ride around for twelve hours and stop. You know, twelve cars, write a whole bunch of tickets, lock a whole bunch of people up. Who's gonna say good job at the end of the day? Nobody. You you have to do that on your own. Um. Um. But when we do something, that's 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 not necessarily done the right way. Not only do we get scolded and criticized from our own department, but the community. So 
Yeah. And media lately. <laughs> and media lately. And the media, correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, so going back to the um program, you have these these kids, they're they're sharing what they think, what they feel about officers. Um, then you take them to buy sneakers for school. How do you feel watching them walk out with these brand new kicks? Like how does that feel for you, the person who helped provide it? You know, it's it's actually it's it's actually emotional um, because I, I'm I'm a person who actually cares, you know. So you know, so when you see this kid and he's there with his mom, and his mom is like, "No, don't pick that sneaker; it's too much." And we're like, "You could pick whatever sneaker you want to pick. We got this," you know. And matter of fact, get a second pair, you know. And to see these kids' eyes light up, it's 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 it lets you know that um, everything you did was worth it, you know, even if it's just one kid. But I mean, the fact that we were able to provide sneakers to 12 kids, it's like there, it, it, it changes, I think, their whole trajectory of, you know, who we are as, as police officers, because not only are we willing to sit down for two hours, talk to them, feed them, but we're willing to, to, to spend money on, on them so that they can go in a brand new school year with, with new pairs of sneakers. Last year, one of the kids posted his sneakers. He like made a shelf over top of his bed and put his sneaker box on it because he's never had a pair of Jordans before. I couldn't believe that. The feeling that came over me, the fact that these kids were so, so incredibly happy, it, it just, it made my day. It made it all worth it. And who knows, one might become a police officer after seeing this. That's the goal. <laughs> I, I hope so. You know, I hope so. I hope I can change some of the kids who may have been on the wrong path. If not, that's fine. Um, maybe we could use this as a recruiting tool to get more, you know, more police officers involved. But yeah, that would be great. My thanks to Sergeant Con Williams of the Neptune, New Jersey Police Department. To find out more information on the Kicks Not Cuffs program, visit our website. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.